welcome to the Health Tech Podcast. Here we talk about everything healthcare and technology, and I'm your host, James Somaru. Hey everybody, this week I'm joined by Katie Weimer. She's Vice President of Regenerative Medicine at 3D Systems. For the past 15 years, Katie's been committed to advancing 3D printing in healthcare by developing bespoke additive manufacturing solutions that enhance healthcare delivery and patient care. She's currently focused on developing novel 3D bioprinting solutions for a broad range of human applications from tissue implants to organs, as well as laboratory applications that offer the potential to accelerate the development of new drug therapies. So Katie, welcome to the Health Tech Podcast. What a, what an introduction, what all the stuff you're doing. Welcome. Thank you, James. It's my absolute pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. No worries. Whereabouts are you speaking to us from today, Katie? It's a good day to be in Rock Hill, South Carolina at the 3D oh, nice. Systems headquarters. Yeah. It looks glorious yeah, outside yeah. for you at the moment. Yeah, it's a good day. It's not a horrible time in the day, is it, for you now? No, no, it's really no. Afternoon. Yeah. Must be in the morning <laughs> for you. Excellent. Cool. So uh, the way we start these podcasts is for you to tell your story. You've obviously got quite the story and all the things that you're up to now. Definitely want to get into that at 3D Systems, but... Talk to me about your story. Where did it all begin? How did you get to where you are? Wow. Well, that is a great starting question. So, yeah, I, I think where um, where I really started was uh, in college, right? So I'm a you know young engineering uh, student, mechanical engineering, and I, I was one of those that engineering really didn't make sense until I started applying those concepts to the human body. Uh, and that really got me into, uh, after my mechanical engineering degree, I went to graduate school and focused on computational biomechanics. So really applying engineering principles to the human body. And that for me is really when it, when it clicked. So um, got a degree in, in biomechanics. And as a part of my thesis, um, I was actually building a patient-specific computational model of the knee. And to build that patient-specific uh, model, I had to do medical image processing. And so that was really my, the beginning of my um, kind of career in CAD and anatomic modeling, which then after college, I was um, um, so fortunate to get a job at a, a little company called Medical Modeling. Uh, and at that time, 3D printing in healthcare was still uh, very nascent. Um, there, there weren't a lot of folks doing it, although, you know, anatomic models and, and 3D printing in healthcare had been around a while. But my first job right out of college was doing that medical image processing at 3D, well, at the time it was medical modeling to create 3D printed anatomic models. Um, and uh, following that, uh, was really fortunate to be in a spot and really at the forefront when um, surgical planning and patient specific guides uh, were really coming to the forefront. So, um, uh, did that at, at medical modeling, which was later acquired uh, by 3D systems. And that was really. Uh, kind of the beginning of, of, of this real boom in, in 3D printing and healthcare. And so uh, really for the last 15 years, I've been so fortunate to move from, you know, really getting my hands dirty and building models back in the early days uh, to really being able to build a, a product, uh, which is virtual surgical planning applied to craniomaxillofacial, uh, which is now really commonplace uh, in the industry. Uh, and then moved into operations. So we've got um, some really fantastic operations in, in Denver, Colorado, and in Leuven, Belgium, uh, really doing kind of mass production of 3D printed medical devices. And so so fortunate to be able to uh, run those operations for a handful of years. Uh, and then it was just a, a few years ago, um, you know, s s 
began to pass that off. And Chuck Hole asked me to, uh, Chuck Hole, the, the founder of 3D Systems and uh, the inventor of 3D printing, asked me to move over and, and help build the regenerative medicine and bioprinting initiative at 3D Systems. So for the last year and a half, really been focused on um, that effort. And, and we've made amazing progress with partners like United Therapeutics and, and Coal Plant. Um, and, and that's my day, day job now out there, uh, hunting down. What's the next, uh, way we can change the world, uh, using 3d printing and regenerative medicine technologies. Interestingly, I guess 3d printing is not something that ironically I've been in health tech for a, a, a large number of years now, and certainly speaking to technology companies for many more, but 3d printing is something that I've not come across actually a great deal as a practicing really? clinician yeah well as a practicing clinician i don't think i came across it anyway which is interesting because i guess i mean i was never involved in max fax i was never involved in surgery and yeah. so whilst i was an anesthetist it's not something i had in, in clinical practice in from a health tech perspective i've definitely encountered 3d printing startups that are doing various things although the way you're describing your route through this is just extremely interesting to me because you come at this from mechanical engineering and actually nothing to do with healthcare. My first question here is why healthcare from that background of mechanical engineering? You actually said that you know it didn't make sense until you started applying this to the human body. What was it that dragged you in to then you know computational biomechanics, which is an epic term? Um, can't wait to get into all of this, but yeah, what was it that brought you in initially? Yeah, I, I think those of us that have, have really committed to at least the healthcare portion of, of the 3D printing space, or even just in general, it, it's really about helping others and contributing and, and changing the world together. Mm. And so I, I, I certainly was called to that sort of, you know, bigger, broader mission to, to change the world and, and really found a niche between you know, how you can apply these engineering principles really on the forefront of medicine in 3D printing and, in, in, in you know, in the early days of CAD, you know, 3D printing was really a way we could transform patient care. Uh, and that's really my personal, you know, what really drives me personally is, is that ability to really be impactful uh, in, in, in changing patient care. That's really what drives me. And so that, that's kind of what I felt and what I found when I was back in grad school and, and then had an opportunity to really, you know, have a career so fortunate to have a career in the space where every day, you know, that's our mission. And now, um, and, and Chuck Holt uh, said it, um, again, the inventor of 3D printing, even now so active in the space, I feel like where we're at with regenerative medicine and bioprinting, uh, and as he said it best, right now in this moment in time, and I'm paraphrasing, we have an opportunity to really change the future of mankind. And, and that, you know, it, it, it's literally like a dream job. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't That's get awesome. any better than that. Yeah. And so that, awesome. that was really what I was called to and still continue uh, to have that passion every day. Yeah. And it's, it's nice when it is rewarding as well. It's nice when it Absolutely. is directly rewarding. Yeah, and I think something yeah. like 3D printing, whether, I mean, there's lots we can get into here about whether you're 3D printing tissue, whether you're 3D printing orthotics, prosthetics, you know, there's, lot, there's lots of things that you can obviously 3D print that can deliver lots of different types of impact. Um, the question that I had next, though, was this all starts, I think, with these computational models for you. And, you know, even looking on your LinkedIn, when I was doing my research here, 
developing a computational knee model in a dynamic knee simulator to include ligament and tendon bone wrapping. That doesn't sound like an easy thing to do. <laughs> it certainly sounds like the first stage if you're going to 3D print something of that nature. But where does one even start when building a computational model of a knee? And I'm just interested because rarely do we get so techy on this podcast, despite it being the health tech podcast, but I'm super interested in this. How do you even go about that? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the technology's obviously uh, advanced quite a bit since I did that research. So, so what I did back then uh, certainly isn't still cutting edge today, but, <laughs> but, but the idea at the time uh, really was, um, you know, how can we build a, a rigid body, you know, a model that accurately predicts motion of our joints, right? So that, that's what we were trying to do for all sorts of things. So you can study them and learn about forces in your knee. You know, you can even study, you know, trying to, trying to get and solve clinical problems. Like why do more females tear their ACL than, yeah. than men? Right. Yeah. And so being able to do these uh, models of motion and, and specifically of joints, which are really complex, the knee, the knee rotates and, and translates. So it's a really complicated um, part of the body to, to, to try to model. Um, but that was the idea is we're, we're trying to recapitulate that digitally so we can do better, you know, better research. Um, and so, yeah, it was really a, a, a fun project. Uh, and, and I'm super excited. It obviously it, uh, has launched me down a career path. Nice. It's certainly become an expert in something, definitely doing <laughs> that stuff. Um, so 3d systems then, you guys do lots and lots and lots of things, clearly. There's lots of ways that 3D printing can, can be applied to medicine and healthcare. I think just more broadly to begin with, you know, I tried to mention a few there of areas that 3D printing actually is in healthcare. Um, what's your view of the space as a whole? Because it, it, it's, <laughs> it's incredibly, not only interesting to me, but it, it genuinely is inspiring to me that we're, on the cusp of something, I think stepwise, like you've just mentioned, there's a few areas like this. There's so much incremental change that can happen using health tech. But I spoke to a quantum physicist about the use of quantum in drug discovery. That feels like a stepwise change. Even just the fact that AI is being adopted in the way it's being, that's going to be a stepwise change. It feels to me like, not that I know too much about it just yet until I've spoken to you about it, but something like 3d printing tissues and we've had a company called i think novo heart on on here previously that have been doing similar things but again that feels like a real stepwise change into something that can literally change the way that we test drugs the way that we might be able to grow tissue to re put into the human body like there's, there's so much that 3d printing can clearly do even in that space what's your view as a, as a whole where is 3d printing adding value in healthcare and health tech right now yeah and we that, that's a great, that's a great question. And it's been certainly a great journey over the last 10 years, uh, as we've really seen the, the, the market and the adoption of 3D printing and healthcare evolve over time. There certainly has been a couple real niches um, in the industry. Certainly, you, you can imagine um, how uh, patient specific models, cutting guides, implants are really enabled by 3D printing technology where every single part that you print is different. Every single part is based on a patient's anatomy, a specific surgical plan, a specific size that they need for that operation. So 
certainly personalized medicine has really involved, personalized healthcare has really evolved because of the 3D printing technology. And so naturally that's where a lot of the early products um, and in and, and early uh, ways that 3D printing was adopted in healthcare, things like patient specific anatomical models uh, based on somebody's CT data, something like a patient specific um, hip implant, for example, um, after you know three or four revisions, that patient no longer is a great candidate for an off-the-shelf stock component. Uh, so there's obviously great niches in that um, personalized medicine. And then taking it a step further, um, uh, surgeons uh, specifically for these complicated cases in, in early adoption was in the head and neck area. So you could create a patient-specific cutting guide to, to really help support you uh, in the operating room. So in the personalized space, there's, there's amazing niches and, and uh, great ways that 3D printing and healthcare uh, is being used today. Another really interesting niche is even in some you know, standard or stock or serial components where you are printing 100, 1,000, you know, 10,000 of the same part, you, know, you go, how could 3D printing really add value there versus traditional manufacturing? And we found a, a great niche specifically in actually metal implants, uh, serial components of metal implants. Well, why, right? Well, because with 3D printing, we have an opportunity to do these really intricate porous structures to allow bone and growth onto a, a medical implant. Traditionally, that would be a two-part manufacturing process. It, it, it um, you know, potentially more expensive we can do all that um, complexity in one single part and still have a very strong component. So we found some really amazing niches and those are really standard today. So things like spine inner body, spine cages uh, made out of titanium, very common that that, if you were a clinician or a patient going through that operation, that would be a 3D printed device. Uh, so that's really been the standard. And over the last you know, 10 years, um, since the first, you know, kind of cleared device, you know, there's hundreds of companies and hundreds of cleared products around the world uh, that are being um, used to help treat patients or implanted into patients today. So naturally you think, okay, as the technology evolves, can we apply uh, this to regenerative medicine? And that was really the, um, and tissue engineering, right? And so in the last few years, we've seen a lot of momentum in applying these same 3D printing principles but to softer, um, more tissue-like scaffold structures uh, to really, um, you know, take us to that next uh, paradigm shift in patient care. Wow, I mean <laughs> that accelerates quite quickly into into the, the you know the scaffolding for tissues and stuff. Um, when you talk about regenerative medicine, is that what? It, is your definition of that then providing those scaffolds and those structures then for those stem cells and tissues, et cetera, to then take hold and proliferate? Is that what you're talking about when you're talking about regenerative medicine? Yeah. And certainly regenerative medicine is a, a massive field, right. That has all different um, areas and, and we're only focused on, you know, how 3d printing applies to regenerative medicine. And that, that mostly trickles through the, the tissue engineering Avenue, but yeah, there's a couple different camps in, in, in bioprinting today um, uh, where either you're printing directly. So you are 3d printing with a material that actually has living cells in it. And so you can print out a three-dimensional construct um, that, that has living cells. And so as it's wow. being printed, it's, it's a living tissue, right? Uh, and, and then it goes through some 
uh, maturation process and, and, you know, to, to continue to um, evolve as a tissue. Um, it, and, you know, that, that is something that people are doing amazing research on today. Another way you can think about it as well is we can use um, really advanced materials to print the scaffolds that the cells adhere to. And so even implanting that uh, without cells, the cells will come and attach. And like you said, uh, they start to remodel and start to proliferate and, and that turns into native tissue. And so there's really a couple great areas that uh, folks are doing research on that we see real opportunity, um, you know, to, to change mm-hmm. patient care using those kind of two different techniques. Yeah. And it strikes me then that those two, they're almost industries themselves, aren't they? There's materials and there's the 3D printing technologies. Oh, there's two almost different technologies there that obviously have to in, keep innovating. And I, I imagine dovetail very nicely and advances in one will require advances in the other yes. in order to print the new materials, yeah, et cetera. But that's, yeah. it's, it's honestly incredibly exciting. Um, and one area that you obviously know extremely well is, is, is surgical planning. So talk to me about 3D printing and surgical planning and yeah, what's going on there. Yeah. So, you know, maybe 15 years ago, if you're, if you're, you were a patient or a surgeon going into a a case where, you know, you had to have some kind of bony reconstruction or, or facial movement or even uh, trauma case, you know, they would go in and maybe look at an x-ray, maybe see a three-dimensional CT scan, and then, you know, go into the operation. Uh, the, The standard of care today is really that your surgeon would, um, you know, you could send that off to a company or even surgeons are doing this themselves at the point of care where you would then turn that CT scan into a three-dimensional model. And before you go into the operating room, you, you go through and do a full digital plan. So you essentially practice um, doing those cuts digitally, moving that anatomy where you want it. And you're really visualizing from beginning to end uh, the larger steps, especially kind of the, the, the bony movements, et cetera of that operation. So effectively, when you go to the operating room, you're, you're doing the operation for the second time. And so that has really become a standard of care now in areas like crani- head and neck, cranium axofacia, traum- trauma, uh, and even uh, moving into orthopedics as well. So it's really helping um, save time in the operating room, you know, improve those surgical results uh, to get so that patient has a better result um, postoperatively. So it, it's really amazing technology, um, and uh, re- you know, all globally, it's it's being adopted as as uh, a standard of care. Mm. I can see how exactly it does those things and increases the quality, increases results, saves time. I imagine you guys work with MaxFact surgeons and a lot of a lot of clinicians that are obviously have a stake in this. I'm interested as this technology improves and is getting better. Is it enabling new surgeries entirely to develop? Is it allowing us to solve new healthcare problems that previously we've even been unable to solve? Is it doing that too? Yeah, I think it definitely is. And that's where I think, you know, the, when you get into regenerative medicine and you get into something like, you know, even further than we are in, in surgical planning where something like manufacturing organs, right. That, you know, the, the goal there would be to, to solve the transplant crisis, mm-hmm. right. There are more people that need organs than exist uh, in the world today. Right. So 
absolutely, we have the potential, you know, to, to do things differently and to solve problems that, that previously in uh, and, and transplants is sort of the ultimate uh, kind of holy grail of that, um, of that opportunity. Yeah, it's definitely, well, it's, it's incredibly important that we, that we get there. How far away do you think we are from that? And I guess, where, where are we now? I think when, when I spoke to Novahart, Mr. Pinney, over a year, even two ago now on, on this podcast, and, you know, they were printing cardiac tissue, or they were certainly getting the scaffolding, perhaps growing the cardiac tissue, I can't quite remember. But anyway, cardiac tissue that then obviously pharma companies can use to test drugs for cardiotoxicity and things like that. Where's that, where's that technology now? What, what are we, because I'm sure they were, they were actually contracting and yeah, all the rest yep, of it, that yep. tissue. What, what, what's, where's the technology now? What, what's it doing? Yeah, certainly most of the, the technology in, in regenerative medicine and bioprinting is still in the lab, right? And, yeah. and it, you know, it takes years of, of research and, you know, before things become commercialized in any industry, they're typically, you know, built on years of research and development from, yeah. you know, whether it be academics or other uh, research uh, labs. So most of it today, uh, you know, quite honestly, is still at that lab scale doing things exactly like that uh, other group, right? H- how can we help uh, reduce testing on animals, you know, yeah. reduce animal model testing, uh, which is a huge initiative for us and many others in the field. How do you do, um, you know, drug discovery faster, right? And so we're typically, you know, trying to, um, you know, improve research and development of other devices or, or, or uh, you know, changing clinical care. Um, so, but most of it's in the lab today, but Certainly, you know, there's line of sight to some real clinical applications using this technology. Um, you know, you know, the, gr- the group that, uh, you know, staying on the, the transplant theme, uh, you know, we have an amazing partnership with, with a, a great company called United Therapeutics, where it is their single mission to um, uh, specifically solve the transplant problem for lungs. And so there's, you know, real active research not to um, talk about doing that, not to make a little model of that, but to actually do that. Yeah. And, um, and, and being a part of the group is, is just such a blessing. And, and, um, you know, the leader of that, that group, Martine Rothblatt, uh, at United Therapeutics, you know, she she will, she would say, you know, it's so many people are saying, oh, that's just a moonshot, you know, and, and, and she would say that's a, it's actually an earth shot, not a moonshot. So we really do believe, um, that, that, you know, it will happen. And, you know, obviously talking about when is, is a real challenge for those of us <laughs> that, are, that are in this industry, but you can imagine, you know, in, in some years where, you know, a patient would go in and instead of, you know, facing, you know, waiting on, in a, in a donor line to receive an organ that you could be going in to plan for your manufactured lung. That's uh, manu- manufactured specifically for you. Yeah. I can't wait to see developments in this because it, honestly, it, it's it, it's incredibly exciting. I mean, we've all seen sci-fi films where you know you've got a, a comparable human in some laboratory somewhere where this is going on, but to actually think about a, a humane version of that as a reality is it's 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 just inspiring, isn't it? I mean, you, you mentioned being blessed a couple of times now. It must be nice having that level of motivation to, to, to your work, knowing that it's going towards this kind of stuff. And so from a 3D systems perspective, I'm interested in, you talked about companies that you're partnering with there in, in the health tech space and the biotech space doing different things. What does 3D systems do specifically in one of those partnerships and who, who do you partner with to make all these different things happen? 
Yeah, so 3D Systems has, you know, 30 years of experience in the 3D printing industry specifically, right? And and certainly, like we've talked about earlier, even with my own personal journey, have a have evolved, have just an amazing healthcare business there. And so I think where where 3D Systems really has an opportunity to support the industry and support our partners is applying all those years, that toolbox of 3D printing hardware, software, materials, print process, how do you you know, how do you uh, manufacture using 3D printing at large scales in a highly regulated environment like healthcare or aerospace? Um, and, and, you know, even materials development, the same type of kind of photopolymer um, uh, groups that we've worked with for many years, you know, is there a way to apply that to something like hydrogels that, you know, are really common in, in the bioprinting space? So we can pull on that 30 plus years of tools in the toolbox to help support the movement. And certainly you need the biology side, you need the cellular side, and, and we continue to grow in that expertise for sure. But there's a, a whole nother industry, right? All the you know biotech companies like United Therapeutics that can bring a lot of that partnership to the table. So uh, it's really you know, about leveraging that experience that we have and, and um, you know, to develop you know, next generation research and development tools, you know, using some, some of our technology, something that can go in a university, a bioprinting, um, you know, printer materials, or something that, you know, is targeted like the lung application for full production in a production suite. Awesome. And what comes next for you guys? What are you guys looking at in terms of over the horizon in 3d printing? What, 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 what's the next stage for the technology? Um, what are you guys trying to build? Yeah, so I think for the technology, sticking with the theme in, in the healthcare space, you know, we'll certainly always continue to push for materials to be more biomimetic, right? We want um, in healthcare, you know, you know, even yourself, you get this, like replace like with like. We, you know, titanium, amazing material. It is, it is, it has really helped so many patients. Uh, but titanium, we, we weren't born and evolved with titanium uh, in our bodies, right? So how can we get to that next level of materials um, that act and feel and regenerate potentially, right, uh, into native tissue? So that will continue to be, I think, where we push. And to do that, you've got to evolve the technology. Um, you can imagine, you know, small micro vessels, even to get to, you know, the, um, the level of functioning tissue, things happen at a micro and nano scale. So to get to that level, we've got to continue to improve our 3D printing technologies to get to higher resolutions. And then when you get to higher resolutions, you've got to be able to print faster. You know, somebody can't wait a few years for, <laughs> you know, for a specific tissue or whatever it may be. So really pushing the limits on our uh, material development. Uh, really pushing the limits on our print technology, uh, and uh, as well, you know, with that comes the the speed aspect of it as well. Is it a competitive space that you're in? I imagine there's a lot of secrecy involved in in yeah. what what you're doing and what you're planning because there's a lot of there's a lot of very valuable IP in what in what you're doing, obviously. And and I wonder if it's a multi horse race. Yeah, no, and. Um, competition is good, right? It, it, it pushes all of us. Yeah. Competition is great. Uh, but certainly there's also a camaraderie in the industry. Again, I think, you know, kind of this nice. higher calling where, 
um, you know, we're all kind of in this together, pushing this industry forward right now. It's very new and nascent, you know, like, like you know, even, even sort of self-admitting what is this bioprinting and yeah. you know, <laughs> what, are, what are you guys doing? Um, so it's a very new and nascent industry. There's some great groups out there doing, um, really amazing research. And I think the next big push is to get that, you know, to commercial opportunities, right? We need to go from, you know, the bench top to bedside, right? That's what, that's what we say from the lab to the patient. Uh, and so uh, there's definitely a lot of competition there. Um, I think together we have to sort of elevate even the whole industry, the whole supply chain, right? So for the materials that we're using, the, the supply chain doesn't exist in, in many instances to support a commercial product. So that's where I think that the competition is really healthy in that, you know, when we're all sort of pushing that forward, we evolve, you know, we're able to evolve the industry uh, so that when, when we do have these commercial applications, the infrastructure is there. Even, even things like regulatory pathway, you know, how do you go and get a, a product proven to be safe and, you know, safety and efficacy, right? Uh, it's safe and effective to use in humans. You know, some of the stuff is so much on the forefront that, um, you know, those pathways are not straightforward. So having those conversations, um, you know, as an industry, pushing forward standards um, for the space that uh, don't yet yet exist. So overall, definitely competition, but, um, you know, for a higher calling, you know, I think we're all after the same yeah. thing and, uh, and moving the forward, moving the industry forward together. And as you say, that competition is always going to drive up quality and try and drive down costs, which Absolutely. ultimately, when it is a very expensive technology, cost has to come down in order for it to reach more and more patients. We actually do some work um, with Somex, my agency, with uh, a cell and gene therapy manufacturing company. And you're talking there about drugs that are costing half a million, a million dollars per patient. And the company that we work with is trying to drop that cost by 90% in the manufacturing process and therefore yep. make it more readily available. But thinking about them and, and what you guys do, I'm interested if in, in your space, how much of the work is going towards pushing the technology forwards into sort of more newer concepts and newer prototypes and yeah, the equivalence of like McLaren's concept cars that no one's ever going to buy. What's the, what's the equivalent of either you guys doing that or do you guys spend more of your time trying to drive down that cost of the technologies that could be made better and cheaper? I mean, how do you split between the two? Yeah, I think uh, how we look at it, specifically because we're in manufacturing, right? So it's it's all about that end thing that you're making, you know. Yeah. And and so we are very application driven. So the technology is pushed by the problem we're trying to solve, the thing we're trying Fine. to print, right? So that's what really drives, you know. And and then you know what drives that? Okay, what problem are we solving at the end of the day? Yeah. So why do you know why do we why are we trying to print this? you know, tissue, whatever it may be, and, and what clinical problem are we trying to solve? And those two, you know, what is that application? Uh, it really is what drives the technology development. You know, otherwise, you know, we could go talk to our, our materials development team. And the first thing they're going to say is, okay, what, what are the, what, what problem are we trying to Got solve it. here? Well, yeah. And then that really drives the technology. So who are your customers then in the ecosystem? Um, at the end of the day, our, you know, it gets to the patient. Um, mm. um, and in some of the, in some of the, uh, you know, medical device uh, world that we're in today, sometimes that is direct to the clinician uh, okay. and then yeah. ultimately to the patient. 
Um, certainly in the in the bioprinting space, in the newer space, it's a lot of uh, kind of partnership with other, you know, uh, n- industry industry partners as yeah. well. Um, and so, you know, all this has to get distributed to patients. So, you know, there are some, you know, traditional medical device companies and biotech companies that have a presence in hospital, um, you know, that would, would ultimately deliver that to the, to the patient. So we, you know, we, we touch on a couple sides of it, which I think is really good and really healthy, uh, just to, to kind of understand the full ecosystem. Nice. So you've obviously worked across, um, lots of different things within 3d printing in healthcare. Um, you're now VP of regenerative medicine. So what does a, what does a day in the life of a VP of regenerative medicine even look like? And how has that day changed as you've gone through your career? Yeah, no, that, uh, well, first of all, we don't put a lot of weight on the titles, but, uh, <laughs> so I, I don't know that it's that different if it, if, if it was a different title either, but yeah, where, where I sit today, um, you know, my charter is to go out and, and see how we can apply these technologies to other clinical applications, to other human applications. So, so a day in the life would certainly be uh, continuing to do some research in the field, you know, every day, um, you know, I'm, you know, reading, trying to understand, you know, other companies and other new technologies and, you know, what's happening in this new and nascent space, everything's moving so quickly, um, you know, get, you know, getting in the lab and working with engineers on, um, on this technology and, and meeting with our partners. Um, you know, it's, it's a pretty good day in the life. Uh, yeah. And also just kind of talking about next generation technologies, right? What, what is this plan to, to push forward? And, um, yeah, it's a really, it's a really good space. It is. And it's exciting and you're connected to quite a lot of impact. What would your advice be to somebody that was looking to get into the 3d printing space? I think there's the reason I ask we, we wait heavily on this podcast towards entrepreneurs. And it seems some, sometimes like the only way to do anything in health tech is to raise a load of money, start a company. And that just is not the case. Clearly, you can do lots of different things, particularly in your space, in order to get into it, get through it, end up working in it and doing lots of cool stuff. What would your advice be to people that are interested in this 3D printing in healthcare space, even if they might not be from healthcare already? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's obviously a, a, a great place, even through, through my own career path. There's, you know, it's here, not, not all jobs and all careers may be here in 10, 20, yeah. you know, 30 years, right? But I, I do firmly believe that this is a growing industry, specifically uh, in, the, in, the metal, in the med tech space, right? In the biotech space, it is a growing and emerging field that is just filled with opportunities uh, for, for people's own kind of personal career involvement. And, and there's, you know, lots of money to be made and, and, and amazing opportunities to change the world, right. Truly affect patient care. Um, yeah. So I think it's a, a phenomenal industry to be a part of. And, and like you said, there's some great startups out there doing, doing amazing work, but there's also, uh, you know, another path that, you know, there's really great companies that are in it today as well and, and have a chance to pivot uh, to really support the industry. Um, I think if from a, from a kind of education perspective, if I could, could go back and, and hone a skill set, uh, certainly uh, in this space, materials really are what drive the adoption. So, um, nice. yeah, I, I definitely would, would pick, take, a, take a few more uh, classes in that space. Um, when you talk about printing live materials, that's where I start to get excited. Oh, it's as like, well. it's like, like phenomenal, right? <laughs> like, oh my gosh. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, 
my my other question was going to be obviously you've you've got a, a I suppose a rare CV these days in incredible loyalty to one organization 15 years in one organization they clearly treat you very well and vice versa um, and helping both and each other meet their goals right Talk to me about that staying in. The, I mean, you, you must see people these days. Everybody likes to move. Everybody likes to switch things up and do something different. What's led you to, to staying so long and being so loyal to one organization? Yeah. And it's definitely not the norm, like you said, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I don't want to discourage. I mean, I think being a part of different organizations, you know, that diversity and experience and in, in groups of people and in corporate cultures is super healthy, right? Um, I just, I think I've been really fortunate to, to start at a small company. So I got the, the entrepreneurial yeah. small business, you know, I was one of a handful of people at this little company called medical modeling with a, a really aggressive founder that, you know, also wanted to change the world, but I got <laughs> that, you know, I got that kind of entrepreneurial feel was a part of an acquisition and ultimately, you know, became part of 3D systems. So I think, you know, um, continuing to, you know, take risks even internally with my own career, be willing to move to different positions and take on new roles and responsibilities. I really have had the feeling of, of being a part of kind of different organizations. And, and certainly in the last year and a half focused on this opportunity, really in a whole new kind of subset of, of, of 3D printing, uh, again, feels like I'm sort of in a new role at a, at, you know, at almost like at a different organization. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's not normal these days for somebody to stay, you know, 15 years at an organization. Uh, but, but it's just, it's been a great kind of career path. Um, I've had a chance to, you know, run big operations, be on the forefront of, of R and D, uh, take on many roles. So it, it's really been a great ride and, uh, looking forward to, you know, to many years ahead as well. <laughs> Nice. It sounds it sounds awesome. I think it is such an interesting space to be in. Obviously, this is called the Health Tech Podcast, and yes, it is health tech or med tech. It's also biotech. It's also yep. materials. It's it's lots of it's engineering. It's in part computational biomechanics, or that's what sort of <laughs> led you here. Like this, this, there's so there's so many like cool terms and cool words associated with with everything along the journey up to where you are now. It's an incredibly inspiring place to be as well. The work that you end up doing in surgical planning in Maxfax for for patients that might not have been able to have even this quality of surgery only a few years ago because of where the technology is. I think there's so much to be attracted to into 3D printing and I can certainly see why you're there. I think from a personal journey perspective as well that you're on and that you've been on with that small startup that had as you said you know a founder that really wanted it you've been through that acquisition so you've seen that possible from a commercial perspective as well and then you've seen more growth in what is now 3d systems and what you're doing there i think it's been it's been clearly such an interesting journey for you that's kept you so interested on the path that you've been and i see no reason for you to deviate from that path to be perfectly honest because i can completely see how, how this has evolved and developed um and for the space in general i think it's a it's it's just such a cool one you've talked about it there the the 
the fact that you've got the advances in materials, you've got the advances in the 3D printing technology itself. We're now printing live tissue. We're now growing organs. We're doing all this interesting stuff in regenerative medicine that I, like you, hope at least that this will be a stepwise change in healthcare. I think it can be. I think when there is a day that we are 3D printing organs that can be adopted by an individual and not rejected, you know, I, I think it is, it, it doesn't feel like if it feels like when, when, I think for me, right, exactly. So I think it's a, it, it, it's, we all stand on the shoulders of giants and I don't know how many people have to stand on your shoulders to, to, to see that a reality. I hope not it's many. The other, it's the other way around. I'm, you know, <laughs> it is absolutely, it's just such an amazing team and, and just brilliant people uh, working on this. And I, I, I like you, I'm along for the ride. I, yeah. It's right. Really amazing. Yeah. yeah I, ju I just keep holding on just to see how many people keep talking to me on this podcast. I don't know why, but anyway, Katie, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on for all of those reasons. And I think there may well be people that want to get in touch with you to hear more about your journey or get a bit more info. So if they do want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do so? Yeah, certainly. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, is probably the best way to to reach out, and and happy to field any questions. And and truly was a, a pleasure to be here today and have this conversation with you. Um, obviously excited to share our story and our mission, um, and uh, hopefully inspire a few people along the way to come join us. I think you, I think you have done, Katie. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks a lot, James. Hey everyone, thanks for listening and making it all the way to the end of this episode. Remember to subscribe, rate us and leave a review and you can head to the description of this episode to follow me on all of my social media so you don't miss out on any of the latest health tech content.